Hello and welcome back to the Everything Must Go podcast. I am Steven, and with me as always is Brandon, bringing you episode number 111. That's all I got. <laughs> Dang, I thought there was going to be something momentous there. No, but... I wanted... I, when I think of 111, I think about slot machines, but that's actually 777, so... What I was thinking about isn't even actually relevant for the the uh, episode itself. But one, 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 I like it. And once again, I can't believe we have 111 episodes. It is pretty crazy. Just thinking of like where this started, it, do, it it's even crazy to me that this has been here for two years. Like that yeah. just seems like such a long time. But we've just been chugging away. And this is one of those. Uh, I, I've been really big on taking things day to day recently. Just trying to not get so caught up in, in where I'm headed, but just look at where I'm at right now and just one foot in front of the other. And if you think about, we didn't necessarily even intend that to be the perspective with the podcast. We even had some discussions about where this could go, but each week we showed up and did a new episode and two years later, we're at 111. We And technically we have more than 111 with the spotlight episodes, but it's... Uh, yeah, we're like right around 120 now. It's it's pretty crazy. I don't know. It's uh, I, I enjoy it. Yeah, I, I, the, the, it's just weird sometimes to think about how fast these last two years have gone, and something that off the, uh, well, first I'll just say off the top of the show, a couple things we're going to go over today, we got to ask a couple of audience questions, we'll go over those, we'll do a Spotify segment, we're also going to be, uh, we haven't done this in a while, but we're doing the uh, movie metrics segment. Movie metrics, which, maybe, you just blew the title, dude, come on, <laughs> man. We are maybe doing movie metrics, but no, we, we will be doing it. Spoiler alert, we will be doing it. Kind of like spoiler alert, Brandon didn't get his license plate. <laughs> Dude, you're ruining the story. That was brutal. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty brutal. If you want to learn more about that, check out my, uh, the uh, vlog video that I did from this past weekend. Yeah, I, I think I commented on it that how, how often are you going to see a YouTube video with not one, but two DMV visits and both unsuccessful in the same day? Pretty incredible. Rare uncharted territory. But I feel like at this point, you and I, were, we're really breaking a lot of boundaries here, even just from simple things like wearing a hat with nothing on it to having a brick wall next to a probably plastered wall, maybe drywall wall. Like, these are some... I didn't do my wall research, so I'm not sure. Yeah, we need to do some wall research. <laughs> Check See, <the> schematics. <laughs> as someone whose family was in both the plaster and drywall business, I could tell you that plastering walls was a uh, common thing until it moved to drywall, probably sometime, I guess it's like in the 60s. We'll have to get maybe. you over here and, and take an <laughs> estimate of the walls, see what we got. Not that I actually, by any means, am the expert on this matter, this was just my uh, my grandpa's business. He uh, he did, started with plastering, and then he moved into uh, drywall. Um, I I don't know if there was anything that you wanted to uh, jump into off the top, but I I had something I wanted to kind of get off my chest. I don't know if you is there anything you wanted to say before the I. The only thing I, I want to get off my chest is every time you say off the top, I think about that critically acclaimed series that we did for a while on the, the podcast that we've had a lot of angry listeners write in about. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, when we get a soundboard, we're going to be able to bring off the top back and it's going to be uh, a segment to remember for sure. Oh, yeah. 100p. Oh, no. You, you can go ahead. <laughs> um, so I. This is a tough thing for me to even address because it, it seems almost hypocritical as a person with the podcast who talks about a lot of opinions, but I think there is a distinction in something that's frustrated me. There's this particular person I follow on Instagram um, who a lot of her posts are politically based or uh, just human rights based, and I like, I like listening to what she has to say. I think that she has a lot of really good insights, um, and she's also... Uh, a minority so it's uh, from a perspective that I can't relate to so it's 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 informative it's educational uh, to listen to what she has to say but something happened a couple weeks ago where I can't remember what the topic was um, but she posted something and some guy uh, challenged her on it through DMs and then she posted his challenge of it and said something like somebody come get this guy or something like 
get him off, get him away from me and take 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 this guy off my hands and what he I, I think that his point of view was probably ignorant, but he was just challenging her. And then he posed a question to her and, and she got frustrated with it and then told him that this is a boundary that she's setting that if he wants to get educated, he needs to go somewhere else and get educated. And I'm just thinking if you're going to be a person that spends a lot of your time educating people on these topics, and then somebody challenges you on a point of view, um, and then you're not the person that's going to back up your points of view, uh, and you tell them where else to get lot uh, to get ed- educated. Where are they going to get educated? They came to you, the, a person that they've been listening to. And I don't know what this guy's intent was. Maybe his intent isn't to be educated. Um, it's just to uh, poke the bear or something. Whatever. I I, I can't. I don't know his mind or his heart. But it just frustrates me that you like. I, I don't think you can have it both ways, where you spend a lot of your time having these discussions and claiming to be a, uh, a resource of, uh, of this knowledge and perspectives that people should listen to. And then when people either challenge you or comment on it, you're just exhausted and I can't deal with this. Go get educated somewhere else. You are one of the educators. You have taken that role, that responsibility. Um, and, uh, it, it just frustrated me. Cause then like a couple weeks later, she posted, I guess on TikTok there was this trend where, girls were dressing like guys and like uh you know whatever that means but they that was the joke was that oh i'm a girl and i'm dressing like a dude and the other joke was i'm a guy and i'm dressing like a girl and she posted something about it being transphobic and first off i was just like is it inherently transphobic or is it just a bad joke playing off of societal norms what we've just what we've decided is stereotypically male uh, wardrobe and stereotypically female wardrobe. Are we going to jump to this being just inherently transphobic? I think that's a little bold. And I wanted to challenge her on it, but I thought back to this guy. And I'm just like, if I challenge this person on it, and I just bring a perspective, is this going to turn into this thing where, um, you know what, go get educated somewhere else? Uh, and that was a frustrating experience for me internally because I'm like, I want to talk to this person. I think they are intelligent. I think they have good points of view, but now I'm just like the, the possible education I could get from this. I don't know if it's even worth it to risk because if she perceives me as attacking her ideas, I'm not going to get anywhere with her. And then it's just, uh, I, I might even personalize it, which is on me. It's not on her, but I guess I just want to get off that, ch- get that off my chest because it's one thing for, you know, I, I think I respect what we do because, you know, it, it, you come to our podcast and you listen to our thoughts and opinions. If you don't like them, feel free to tune it out. Feel free to fast forward past what I have to say, whatever. But if you want to have a conversation with me, I'm willing to have that conversation. I'm willing to uh, discuss maybe where I'm ignorant or even if it turns into an educational thing where I can maybe bring something to light that you didn't think of or whatever. I'm all about that. And I think I have that responsibility as a person who's going to speak my mind on things. But to take that responsibility as that person, but then shun out the people who might not see the things the same way that you do and specifically challenge you on it, I think is like such an entitled place to come from. And I, I, it, it just, it really irked me. So I, I wanted to get your thoughts. Um, I, you don't, I don't think you don't, don't follow this person um, I'm not going to say their name or anything, but um, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm pretty sure you don't. So I don't, I don't think you would have seen this, but I just wanted to hear w- what you thought. Maybe I'm overreacting. What do you think? Well, I'm I'm charged up just I'm, I, just hearing you talk about this because this has been something that I've talked about, too, where people right now, they don't feel like they have a comfortable space to say anything on either side. So there's a lot of people personalizing things or feeling attacked by things. What makes this really complicated for me to speak to is kind of as you said, like I don't know any additional context on the specific person in this specific example. Maybe they have a history of saying malicious things, and if that's the case, maybe this was the final straw, and they're just like, ah, you know what? Right. Don't come to me for this. It's like that's a possibility, and that this is something that I talked about with you uh, on our walk recently. Uh, that it's. It's so difficult sometimes to know things without the whole context. Like, 99 times out of 100, I might completely disagree with something, but 
one one time out of a hundred, I hear more of the story of this person's specific example, and I'm like, you know what? I can actually see why they have that, why that they had that thought process, or maybe from from them, like, oh, I, I actually I I kind of get it now because if I was in their position, I might feel that same way. It makes it super super difficult because you're right. Just hearing this story about somebody who is challenged. And then they're just immediately like, oh, well, you know, don't, don't challenge me. Well, everybody needs to be challenged. Like, I don't, I don't even care. I almost don't even care what your view is. Like, to a certain, uh, a certain point, like, there's almost always another side of something. There are some extreme cases where maybe there's not another side of something. But for the most part, there's something else that you can argue. And if we can't have these arguments, well, what's the point? And especially if you're somebody who... You, you really truly stand for something, well, back it up, all right? If you're going to say that you don't want anyone to, to not understand um, or people don't understand the race issues going on in the world, well, if someone comes to you wanting to understand a race issue and they genuinely are just trying to understand, I think it's an obligation to have that conversation with that person to try to make them understand. Now, keep in mind, there's a good chance they still won't. And you have to accept that part of it because some people just genuinely aren't going to understand. It's horrible that people won't understand, but they just won't. Not everyone has the same capacity. As dumb as that sounds, not like every person's mind is different. Not everyone has the same capacity to learn and understand complex issues. And sometimes they're not even all that complex in my opinion. They're pretty simple, and yet people still won't understand them. So it gets tough, but sometimes I feel like you just gotta, if you stand for something, then you stand for that, and you you have to fight for it sometimes. And there's a good reason why people say you have to fight for your rights for things, because sometimes you do, as much as it sucks. And things aren't going to change overnight. One of the things that I've talked about before is for people in the transgender community who attack a lot of people for misgendering them or attack a lot of people for not understanding the transgender community. And the truth is... The transgender community is actually a very recently, like, well-established group. It's always existed, but it hasn't existed in, a, in, like, the public sphere. It really was sort of an underground thing, and yes, that's terrible, but society is learning to understand this and, and adapt to it as now it's become an accepted part of society. Sometimes society is slow to evolve to certain things. So I've gotten frustrated before because I'm just like, you know, sometimes when people misgender or that they screw something up when it comes to transgender stuff, like, they're not actually doing it maliciously. They just don't know. It, we, like, I, when I grew up, I didn't hear much about transgender. Like, being, someone being transgender, like, I knew of it, but I didn't go to school with anyone that I knew of being transgender. So I do have a certain level of ignorance in understanding it, and though I'm constantly trying to educate myself, like, you gotta... You got to understand sometimes that people, they're, they, it takes a little bit of time for people to understand new things. And I don't want to go on too much of a tangent about specifically the transgender thing, but I guess my point is, is that sometimes you just have to be a little bit patient with people, and you also have to know how to like stand on your ground. I guess part of my fr- – I, I, first of all, I think you, you brought up an absolutely incredible point in the beginning there with the, the concept of – we don't know the entire context. You're absolutely right. Like maybe this guy is always hounding this, uh, this person and is, uh, just a constant nuisance. And that's why I said, I don't know this guy's mind or heart. I don't know if he had a, a, an intent to learn or if it's, this is just par for the course. Um, that I think that is very important to note. Um, I, I think, uh, the, uh, the concept specifically on the surface level of, you being a person who, who finds it as a responsibility to speak up on these issues and to to uh, uh, to educate people, I think it's a little um, cherry picking, so to speak, to then say if somebody specifically comes to you with the concept. A lot of times, because they're coming to you from a place of trust, like they they listen to you, like that. Maybe that's the reason that they're following you. They they listen to your ideas, and they're like, well. I, I see it this way, so let me hear what this person that I follow has to say about it because I don't understand it. Um, I think the, the thing that frustrates me uh, is 
is again the personalization of it because if you if you take the surface level perspective i feel like this person is feeling like emotionally attacked in some way of this person challenging their ideas and um i think if we are able to separate the emotion from the situation and say this is a discussion of concepts this is a discussion of ideas that some people aren't privy to or uh haven't heard before so they they think a certain way that they they did and maybe you're not going to change that person's mind, but to just uh, to just completely avoid that if it gets uncomfortable, I think is uh, a disservice to what I mean. I think part of my frustration is I wish this person would have kept talking to him. Like I think she's honestly she's so smart, and I I've even had uh, conversations with her asking her things, and the way that she's exp- articulated is just like wow, this girl is leagues above my intelligence and I just, I love hearing her. So I was kind of frustrated in, in that. It's just like you, it's almost like having a superpower that you decide not to use because now you're uncomfortable about having to use it or something. Like you have that ability, that the capacity, um, and, uh, and yet you're just like, oh, well, this time around I'm not, I'm not feeling it. And specifically just, like, uh, calling him out on her story, telling somebody to come get him. It was just, like, I just, I mean, she's human, you know. She And, and, and this is also me, like, uh, saying what I believe is right and wrong. So, you know, other people might think that what she did is absolutely fine. I, I'm aware of that. But I guess, again, this is just me saying my point of view. It was really frustrating to see that because I, I respect her a lot. And I felt like she was... Um, she was running away from something that uh in a way with her playing the role that she does i think she kind of signs up for somewhat of a responsibility to to help be that education maybe not all the time but um this specific time i just uh i just saw it and it kind of irked me so yeah i just wanted to get that off my chest but i think you're absolutely right we don't know the entire context and uh, i think that's important to note um because there are situations where, I mean, I had a situation recently where, which is, I think, what led to our talk, where uh, someone posted on my Man in the Mirror uh, post that uh, the protesters were, you know, causing damage and doing stuff, um, and that I, I should redo the cover with people making individual changes. And my argument to her was, well, uh, not every protester was doing malicious stuff. You know, there were plenty of peaceful protesters out there. And uh, I, I went to two protests. So uh, the, these were filled with passionate people who made an individual choice that they wanted to do their part in, in trying to make a difference. So uh, that, that is the idea of that man in the mirror. I, just because it's within a group doesn't mean that they didn't make an individual choice to, to go out and do that. Um, and so I just told her, I was like, I like the video the way it is, I, but I appreciate you. I, I didn't realize that they had actually commented specifically on you changing the content within the video. Yeah, 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 they did. Um, and then I ended up messaging her separately and just was like, I hope you didn't feel like I was combative. I just was telling you my thoughts and opinions. Um, and she was just like, you know, I, uh, uh, I had a different experience. It turned out that her car was damaged. Um, from some protests and obviously i empathize with that like i i don't think uh, i've said in the beginning i i don't i i'm a, a pacifist to a certain extent like i don't want there to be violence or stuff but i also can empathize with the concept of how it could get to that point and uh for this specific person uh her comment was that she think she thinks the reason people damaged her car was due to uh, some stickers that she, like pro-military stickers that she had on her car because her sons are in the military. And, uh, and then she made a comment about how when people categorize people, we lose our humanity. And uh, I was just thinking, I was like, well, this is, I didn't say this to her because I just was, at this point, I, I got a little like, I want to be there for her as opposed to continuously challenging her. But when she said that, categorizing people lose our humanity thing i was like well this is kind of hypocritical considering you just categorized every single person that went on protests as being violent people that weren't doing good (laughs) so uh, i I think which i think also uh, points 
the microscope on humanity. We are so imperfect. We, we can see a lot of things outside from ourselves and say, uh, this is where things are wrong and this is what we need to, to work on. And then when the, the camera's shifted back on us or the lens is shifted back on us, we don't see that we might be doing some of those exact same things, but in a different context. Um, and, and so I, I, I think it's important to recognize our hubris sometimes and, and, and say, uh, hey, I'm, I'm not without flaw, that I, I, I definitely need to work on this stuff, but the willingness to approach it with that open mind I think is super vital. Agreed. Yeah, it's uh, people, right, if you want to talk about a time in our history where everyone, everyone is uh, cherry-picking, it's literally right now, about everything that's going on. It's, there's so much cherry-picking on race issues, on COVID issues, like, some of these things, in my opinion, just shouldn't be political, period. Like, it's not political to me about wearing a mask. I don't understand why people think that wearing a mask is somehow making a political statement, because just staying safe and caring about people, that shouldn't be political. That should just be, that should just be a good thing. People wanting everyone to live in a safe country doesn't seem political to me. Just seems like what we all want. And uh, I am positively infuriated right now about the mask issues of, I mean, you see a lot of things out there where people say, um, how the numbers will go down if everyone just wears a mask. Like, it, a lot of medical experts have talked about it on just, we don't know the best way of, cur- of uh, curbing COVID. We don't know the best way of c- curing this. Uh, we're still working on a vaccine, but the one thing that we have mostly concluded is wearing a mask helps prevent the spread, which is the number one thing we care about right now while we don't have a vaccine is let's at least not have it spread a bunch because if we can do that less people will be infected and yet people still don't wear masks and i like i just saw a video of people in milwaukee at a bar crowded bar no mask and i just i i question it i don't understand it and it's our our generation is maybe the worst (laughs) like our generation is horrible about this because I think it's because we're young, so they figure, oh, you know, if we get it, it's not that big of a deal. But it is, it is incredibly mind-blowing and baffling how people are just this resistant to wearing a mask. And as I've said, it sucks wearing a mask. It's, it is inconvenient. But do you know how many inconveniences humans went through to give us all of the conveniences that we have today and how absolutely disgusted they would be about the fact that we can't just do one simple inconvenience to save thousands of people's lives. Literally thousands for just doing one minor inconvenience. We're not even telling you you have to wear a mask 24-7, just in particular instances. Like if you are getting your hair cut and you think wearing a mask is, oh, it's so, so inconvenient, sorry, I don't feel bad for you at all suck it up do it i don't even i i normally hate when people say oh just suck it up man it's not it's not a big deal in this case i i think that that is warranted you should suck it up and actually just do it it's not a big deal that's been this topic is something i've talked about on a live stream a few times lately and i'm honestly getting tired of talking about people wearing a mask but i feel like on almost every episode of this podcast i want to reiterate this again just so that maybe even one person might listen to this and think about wearing a mask one more time over the course of the week, just to do anything possible to help prevent this. Because when we get, when we have talks about closing the country down again, and I see other countries whose numbers are minuscule, like their new, their new daily cases are so minuscule in comparison to ours. I know we're a big country, but even the comparable ratio it's not even close. We gotta, we gotta do something about this. But we're just too, we're too prideful of Americans. We have to, we have to do. We need our conveniences in this country. We're, we're the first world. No one's telling us what to do. The government can't tell us what to do. Well, here's what happens when that, when people subscribe to that mentality. Well, this brings up a really good question, and that is, what kind of dog are you? <laughs> <sighs> this is a good question. And it wasn't my question. It was an audience question. But I just figured it was such a good segue that I had to get it in there. 
Yeah. Uh, okay. So, upon thinking about this question, I, I mean, this is it seems like a cop out answer, but I I think it's I actually think it makes too much sense. So I think part of the reason why I've always really liked my parents' dog Astro is because I think I've related to him. I kind of feel like Astro and I are um, we're kind of similar guys. So if you're not familiar with my parents' dog. Astro, uh, we got him when I was in high school, and uh, he actually, his birthday was technically yesterday at the time of this recording. He just turned 13, so he's getting up there in age, obviously, as I'm 28 now. Um, but he is a Havanese, which is like kind of, it's sort of like a Maltese. It's a hypoallergenic dog. He probably weighs between, I think he, his weight's between like 10 and 13 pounds. He's pretty small. His fur is more like hair, which is, I guess, why he's hypoallergenic. Whatever a more furry dog does, like, he doesn't really shed, I guess. So I don't, I, I have, I do have some allergies to him, undoubtedly, because I'm so severely allergic to dogs, but it's not nearly as bad. Like, it's really, it's very minor by comparison. Uh, but I think I'd be a Havanese because they're extremely hyperactive. Like, they do this thing that literally is called run like hell. If you look it up, you'll, look up, you'll see a thing that says run like hell. And what they do is they'll just, if you get them riled up, they'll just run around in circles really, really fast. And they'll just go, they just go absolutely nuts. And it's literally just called run like hell. So he does that a lot. I feel like I relate to that because I, uh, I like to run and I'm really hyperactive. Um, <laughs> they're not, you know, they're not these huge dogs, but they got a lot of, they got a lot of fight in them. I feel like I can connect with that. Um... And they're just, uh, they don't bark a lot. I don't bark a lot, so I feel like that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> and, uh... They also, they, they, they eat dog food, <laughs> and so do you? No, they also, they appreciate the little things in life. Because Astro, he loves his toys. He appreciates his toys a lot. Like a simple thing. Specifically elephant toys, he's a big yeah, fan of. Yeah, but to dogs, are toys simple things? I think so. I think... I think uh, it's a simple thing that can take... Sounds like Astro's materialistic, dude. (laughs) (laughs) It's a simple thing that takes on a a larger meaning because he can take a simple little rubber elephant and to him it can be like like having a child. It sounds like you're taking the point of view of a human and I think to him that toy is actually a jet ski and he needs more jet skis. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. He also can be a bit fiery sometimes, you know? So I think, I think we're same guy, different guy. I think I'm a great Dane because I got a huge cock. <laughs> Dude, you waited this entire time just to say that. Are you serious? <laughs> great. Uh, yeah, it Damn it. Like I wish I didn't laugh at my own jokes because I feel like if I could do these deadpan, they would hit way harder. But I, <laughs> I just think I'm so funny. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, dude. This is this is why you're single, dude. Dude, you're just you're, those let's jokes, be honest. Man. This is why I'm single. I mean, that among, one of the many reasons. Yeah, no, let's say, not get carried away. This is one. Other things. There's a list. One of them is, is I have too big of a cock, so it's like I can't. <laughs> yeah, I like how you still laughed at this joke. <laughs> you're you're worse about laughing at your jokes than me, I think. Oh uh, yeah, I don't know about that. Which is, uh, let us know. Let us know. In the, let us know in EMG Pod. <laughs> We'll put a poll up. Who's worse at laughing at their own jokes? <laughs> oh, man. Classic. I don't even know what dog I am. Maybe, like, uh, I'm a mutt. I have a, a combination of different dogs. No, I think you, you gave your answer. Let's be honest. <sighs> yeah, let's be honest. All right, next question from the audience. <laughs> what is the greatest lesson you learned about yourself through COVID-19 quarantine? We have talked about this quite a bit. I don't know if you talked about it on the podcast, but... Um, you go first in this oh, one since uh, I did the dog one first. Yeah, at least separately we've had this conversation. Um, I think that I learned uh, how powerful, how powerfully um, destructive my mind can be when I'm left alone to uh, my thoughts and anxieties and that uh, – I had such an this was such a 
intense experience that I've never really had before, which is just weird. Cause I mean, I lived in pretty much isolation in Rochester. I didn't hang out with anybody there, but for whatever reason, I don't know if it was the combination of that, the fact that I was in Chicago, a place that I should be hanging out with people and, and the quarantine or what, um, I just maybe the other things that were happening in the world, but I just, my mind was just running a million miles an hour and it was just, uh, it wasn't productive at all. And I just, I kind of, I hit a rock bottom of sorts where I realized I needed to get a hold of how to navigate through my thoughts. Cause I think just as much as my mind can be very destructive, I also think that my mind is part of what makes me special in, in terms of my uniqueness or who I am. Like, I think that I'm, I'm an introspective person. I think that I examine things with an open mind. I'm empathetic. So there's a lot of things that I think are uh, good about my, uh, the way that I think through things. But when I'm just left to those thoughts over and over again, it's very paralyzing to a, a certain extent. Like, like I honestly, I, during quarantine, I felt like I couldn't get out of my chair. Like I, I was so hounded by these thoughts. It like felt like I was carrying this uh, real physical weight that I couldn't really do anything with. Um, and so I started doing meditation and I did started doing yoga and uh, that has helped clear my head so much. And obviously now I can uh, do somewhat social stuff. Um, Steven and I go for walks outside and whatnot. And um, that's been really helpful as well. But I think just getting, getting a hold of the, the fact that uh, without, I, 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 I think that I've, uh, taken for granted how important it is to develop those skills within your head. We, we spend so much time on our bodies and and uh, these other external things that we do, um, like building skills to do them. Um, but uh, I think I've taken for granted the importance of spending time with it in my mind and learning how to just accept certain thoughts that come in, let them go, navigate through them, all that stuff. So that, that's been my biggest uh, biggest learning lesson. What about you, Stephen? So th- it's hard to pick one in this. I'd say, yeah, this is okay. It's really, really difficult to pick one because, from a positive standpoint, the greatest thing that I learned about myself, honestly, through this, is that I can adapt to things that I didn't think I'd be able to adapt to. I was extremely worried about going into this for myself because. Being stuck in my own head that much is obviously really dangerous for me as well. I mean, I think it's dangerous for ev- for any and everyone, but I can tell you firsthand that I've gotten into some dark places in my head when, like, in just a weekend not doing anything socially. Because I'm such a social person that it, it bothers me to be left alone for too long. So I was definitely really worried about it, but I learned how to adapt to the new environment by just kind of switching my mindset. What I did was I looked at everything in my life I did prior to the quarantine that I really enjoyed doing that didn't involve having to physically be around another human. And when I looked at that, I, I pretty much I took all those things and I was like, okay, these are the only things I can do now. So I have to double up on all of these things. So. If I was younger and this happened, I don't know what I would have done. Like, I don't, I don't, if I didn't have the content creation, if I didn't have the maturity that I have now, if I didn't have some of these things, I don't know how I would have gotten through this. Like I, I would have gotten through it, but it would have been way more difficult. But I think just kind of learning about myself is I've learned how to, like, how to organize things more and be able to plan ahead. So as soon as I started hearing that there was a chance of this happening... Because uh, I, I, you'd hear like little tip-offs and people like, oh, I heard from this person who heard from this person that Chicago might be going into lockdown. I literally just started making this like mental list in my head. I even wrote down like new workout plans that I could do that didn't involve going to a gym. I just did a lot of planning ahead on, all right, so I'll, instead of doing one or two videos a week, I should do three videos a week because that's another thing I don't need someone else for. But then I should learn how to do videos by myself that don't involve doing vlogging videos so that means I have to cut out this series so I also had to figure out like how do I keep my relationships and friendships with people strong during this time so I resorted to doing more zoom things 
And I'd say like the, the number one thing I learned is just the, the lesson that I can adapt to a new norm. And I think that we all can. It's just it requires actually sitting there and thinking through your head, like, okay, what, what can I still do that I couldn't do before? And then you're just doubling up on things. So I guess, I mean, that's, that's at the end of the day, when I look back on this time, that's going to be one of the main things that I, I think I'll take as a, uh, just a great thing moving forward in my life that, you know, you, you, can, you can adapt to different things. Like, even if you think it's going to be tough, it's possible. Do you think that you've established better skills in terms of uh, <clears throat> how you operate independently? Because I, I think that we've talked in the past um, about your, uh, not necessarily disdain, but something close to that word for doing things on your own. Um, like the idea of going to a movie alone doesn't really appeal to you. Do you think that you've built any sort of skill set towards that through this quarantine? Um. It's interesting that you say that because I feel like that's also something that I've learned about myself is just how much I despise. Like, I really never went on walks by myself to go explore the city or something. Like, I just don't enjoy it. Hmm. I've tried doing it before. I just get bored with it. I just like to have people that I'm doing stuff with. And if you just want to get me absolutely, like, pissed off, this is always the topic that just makes me irate is people who act like, they're like, oh, yeah, dude, just get a bike and just go ride. Like, the amount of times that people have told me to just go do something like that, I'm like, dude, no. <laughs> I don't enjoy doing that. I don't enjoy spending time by myself, which is part of the reason why this is a lesson that I've learned is I really was worried because I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm going to be forced to do things by myself. And for better or for worse, I didn't really do, and I still haven't really done, like, all these things by myself all the time. I wasn't spending a ton of time like vlogging by myself i think if i vlogged by myself a lot like walking out and about in the city or something that might be an instance that maybe i would have changed but yeah that's another thing i learned about myself is even in this situation i really didn't take it upon myself to like start doing a bunch of things completely by myself i kind of just doubled up the things that i was already doing and honed in on them well i'm honestly glad that you have this perspective now because now i think maybe you can empathize a little more with me when i have to spend time with you it's like really hard to just spend time with you. <laughs> i was like where is this going <laughs> i didn't see that that's where it was going hell yeah dude misdirection dude i'm unpredictable you can't bob and weave dude <laughs> i don't know i it, like it's I mean, to, to be honest, it's absolutely fascinating to me. People who will spend their entire day, like, riding a bike and just, like, sitting at the park. Like, that is fascinating to me that somebody would enjoy just, like, exploring the city by themselves and just sitting in a park. And I feel like, it, I honestly, it, it's, it's probably something people almost get mad at me for even making that comment because a lot of people, like, they don't have friends or they just, they, like, like enjoy, enjoy doing that so much that they'll fight back at me. But people always fight at me for having this perspective, so I'm just hanging out there. Let's not say they always do, because I don't like your perspective, but I don't fight you on it. I accept okay, you for al- who you are. Okay, they don't always fight me. <laughs> You're right. There's always exceptions to things, but just in general, I don't know. I've just never been one to enjoy. And, and I mean, it, it, to a certain extent, it's a character flaw. Like, I just don't, I don't enjoy it. Part of the reason why... I do a lot of the things that I do. Like, it just makes sense that I like being in social groups. Not huge groups, but just kind of like small social groups. Or I like to just be alone, like, at my apartment. <laughs> or, like, I don't know, working on something. That's just how I am. I think it's, it's just social awareness. Just knowing what you like doing and where, where you thrive. That being said, every once in a while, I do still think it's good to re-examine something again. Like, every once in a while, I think I should go on a walk by myself and go do some exploring because I, things change. Like there's been times where I, I thought I was going to hate doing something. And then in the future I did it again. And I was like, you know what? I kind of like this now. Maybe I don't love it, but I like it enough that I'll do it every once in a while. Yeah. Like when I was a kid, I hated peas and it's not that I like them now, but they taste okay. Like I can deal with them now. <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a great example. I mean, for food, that's definitely another thing. Like, every once in a while, just trying it again to see if something's changed. 
A lot of times, doesn't change, though. <laughs> a lot of times, still bad. All right, you want to do movie metrics, maybe? Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. Movie metrics, maybe? All right, this segment, we're bringing it back. If you don't remember, we take five obscure movies, so whatever you want, however you want to define obscure. Um, I literally just Googled obscure movies, and these ones came up. We have five obscure movies where we uh, just read the uh, plot summary or description of the movie and try to guess what the Rotten Tomatoes critic score is, not the audience score, critic score specifically. And we are going to be starting with a, a, a film called Throne of Blood from 1957. So this movie is about a war-hardened war general egged on by his... his I cannot read today. Jimmy <laughs> Crickets. A war-hardened general egged on by his ambitious wife works to fulfill a prophecy that he would become Lord of Spider's Web Castle. <laughs> Just not understanding at all what any of that means. Just the idea of becoming the Lord of Spider's Web. I'm <laughs> Just like... Uh, I mean, this one seems so weird that I'm going to go out on a limb and say that it's incredible. Like, it's, like, Throne of Blood. It seems kind of ahead of its time. Uh, it seems, yeah, it seems kind of ahead of its time. It, the idea of it reminds me of, like, some sort of epic. I think this is a, this is a really good movie. I'm going to say it's a 91%. 91%. Wow. Yeah, I'm saying it's good. Um, I am going to say that um, the, the, the limitation for Throne of Blood was that it was made in the 50s. And as we know, the special effects um, were, were not... The heyday. Yeah, that was the heyday of special effects. It was not the heyday of special effects. So I think that as as ambitious of a film as this could have been, they were very limited uh, by that hang-up. And so I am going to predict that it is 65%. That's bold. Wow. 95%. Dude, look at this. We can tell that this is my day. Steven takes the cake. It, the audience score is even 94%. Is this animated? Yeah. Or if you, look at you. Maybe you didn't even consider that, dude. I'm losing my mind. All right, you take the cake on the first one. The second one we got is the Oxbow Incident, uh, made in 1943. It's a classic western where wanderers Gil Carter and Art Croft ride into a small Nevada town plagued by cattle thieves. Initially suspected of being the rustlers themselves, Carter and Croft eventually join a posse out to get the criminals, who may also may be involved in a recent shooting. When the posse closes in on a group that could be the fugitives, they must decide on a course of action, with numerous lives hanging in the balance. Uh, I'm going to go first on this one. The Oxbow Incident. We know back then, Westerners, they just... Classic Westerns, they, they cleaned up. People love these Westerns. People still, to this day, love Westerns, especially old people. If you go to any old person's house, they're either watching Fox News or they're watching a Western movie. <laughs> so I'm going to say that this one, because of the times, uh, has a 90%. Perfect. I'm going to say 91% because I actually pretty much agree with everything that you just said. I think this is going to be another really, really good movie, and I think it's going to be even higher than you just said. 90 percent oh, no baby. way dude hell no. yeah you tried to be cheap and i still fucked you over you motherfucker you got it exactly right dude exactly this is highly right. suspicious you know it's funny though audience score is 91 percent. so if we were playing that you would have won but we're not so get fucked this is highly suspicious brandon oh, put this list together man. and he gets it exactly right yeah okay dude yeah okay i'm okay. the best around See, it probably like went into your subconscious. Even though you think it didn't, you probably saw it somewhere when you're subconscious. Or just incredible. Right. I know that's what you're trying to say. Got it. All right, next one is The Spy Who Came In From The Cold. I, I love these titles. I feel like old movie titles are, are dope. Uh, this, way better. This one is At the Height of the Cold War, British spy Alec Lemus, uh, probably pronouncing that wrong, is nearly ready to retire. But first, he has to take on one last dangerous assignment. 
Going deep undercover, he poses as a drunken, disgraced former MI5 agent in East Germany in order to gain information about colleagues who have been captured. When he himself is thrown in jail and interrogated, Lemus finds himself caught in a sinister labyrinth of plots and counterplots unlike anything in his long career. All right, you go first on this one. See, dude, you, you just... This is the, this is a good movie one. Like this is just a bunch of of uh of quality movies. The Spy Who Came In in the Cold or Came In from the Cold. That's very relevant at the time because the Cold War. Uh it's just this is an 88. I don't even, like these are these are obvious. I can just tell from reading the description, telling the year, 88%. Hmm. Interesting take. Don't even try to go bold here. Get, it's, it. it's a very interesting take because this is what this is what I gotta say. In the '60s, we were especially afraid of spies. So to say that the protagonist of this film is a spy, I think, definitely put some people in an uneasy position. They felt like they were rooting for the enemy, um, and so I think that. I think people overcame that perspective, but it definitely limited their ability to uh, see the movie uh, from a open-minded point of view. So I'm going to give this movie an 85. percent What? Okay. <laughs> Just spewing absolute. What nonsense. was yours? 88. It's an 87. Oh, dude! We look at this. We are right on the money with these today. And yes, or the audience was 82. These are these are close ones, dude. I'm on it today, I can tell. Unless, Except for the one that you literally cheated on. I've been, like, on point with these. <laughs> I did not cheat. All right, next one is To Live and Die in L.A. Uh, this was made in 1985. When his longtime partner on the force is killed, reckless U.S. Secret Service agent Richard Chance vows revenge, setting out to nab dangerous counterfeit artist Eric Masters... Oh, that's Willem Dafoe. He's in this. Along with his new straight-laced partner, John Vukovic, Chance sets up a scheme to entrap Masters, resulting in the accidental death of an undercover officer. As Chance's desire for justice becomes an obsession, Vukovic questions the lawless methods he employs. Now, here's the deal with this one. It's a tightly interwoven plot. We know that. That's one of the facts that we can see from this description, Okay. You got Willem Dafoe, who we know later on played the Green Goblin in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. So we know his acting chops just from that movie alone. We know that he probably was able to get that role off of previous films. This one might have been his breakout performance. It was the 80s. Revenge plots have always been big, but they were especially big in the 80s. I know that for a fact because I've done my research. I've checked the schematics. I'm giving this one a 95%. Wow. I'm giving it a 94%. I love I'm playing a conservative Jesus today. <laughs> I want to win, dude. I never win these games. I feel like it's also a good movie as well. It's got a, an actor that even I've heard of before in it. 91%. Oh, and he's not as good. Gotta love the guy trying to play a fun game with his friend, and he just <laughs> tries to... Be stupid with it. Just to win. <laughs> All right. Next one. Run silent, run deep. After Japanese forces torpedo his submarine during World War II, commanding officer Rich Richardson is placed in charge of the USS Nurka. The crew on board of uh, the crew on board the Nurka, led by Lieutenant Jim Bledsoe, who had been passed over for promotion when Richardson was brought in, is openly hostile to their new commander, especially when it becomes clear that Richardson's sole obsession is finding and destroying the Japanese ship that sank his old vessel. What do you think? So, I think this one... Um, I think this one's also pretty good. Maybe not to their quite the uh, critical claim of some of the other ones. Um, but I'm going to say it's at 87%. Here's the deal. This was a little too short after Pearl Harbor. People are still afraid of boats, okay? And I think that uh, due to this um, 
fear of boats and being on the water, uh, even though the, the, the movie might have touched some hearts, uh, I feel like I'm freezing up. Am I freezing up a lot for you? Uh, a little bit, but you're good. Jiminy Cricks, dude. Everything's ruined. Everything is ruined, dude. Nah, man, you're good. Uh, I, I just don't know if you were able to get over the boat thing, so I'm going to give this one a 75%. <laughs> This one literally has a hundred percent. You know what's funny? I actually almost gave this a really high percentage. Dude, I'm frozen. No, I'm dude. frozen, dude. Why are you frozen, dude? It looks like this is a sick picture of me, though. Look at that profile shot. That's a good picture. What the heck, dude? What Why happened? Are Why are you frozen? This shot, dude. Oh my gosh, I'm so bummed. Hold on, let me let me see if I can get rid of my video. Look at that picture. That's Chicago, guys. There we go. I took that picture when I had uh, I took a bus ride to Chicago and had a couple hours to kill, and then I took that picture. <laughs> I don't know why your video is frozen. Wait, uh, come on, dude. It's still frozen. Come no, on, it's just frozen on a worse. Th- yeah, this is a worse position, dude. <laughs> what the heck? Is this because of my IV cam? Let me let me fix some stuff here. Dude, you gotta fix this camera, man. By the way, I won the game. Congrats to Steven. Steven won the you game. You know, he hasn't been winning that many of these games, so uh, any victory, he'll, he'll take it. <laughs> what? No, now I'm frozen in that position. Dude. What is going on right now? I feel like that this is at least uh, moderately good content. You know? <laughs> there now we now I'm laughing in that shot. That's that's better. Like I'm smiling. <laughs> Why is your video freezing? This is hilarious. Actually, some of these shots, dude. This is pissing me off. Now it just looks like you did like a photo shoot, and it's just like it's just changing the picture every like five seconds. All right, let's see if I can. <laughs> Oh my gosh, dude! I'm just going to, <laughs> I'm just going to do. I'm going to stop my video and I'll just put up a picture of myself for this part of the. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let me see if Perfect. I can even edit profile picture. Perfect. Let me, let me change picture. <laughs> Give me a second, guy. <laughs> just... What about? Should we keep my video? Yeah, let's keep. I your, think it's fine. Let's keep your we'll video. Keep we'll keep it. It's good. Dude, let's bring back the locks. Look at those locks, dude. All right. Um, you want to do Spotify segment? Yeah, we could do Spotify segment. Why not? All right. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, just to recap on the Spotify segment, we each pick a song for the other person and answer three questions based on our listening experience. If you guys haven't been following the playlist on Spotify, we do have an Everything Must Go podcast Spotify playlist for you. It's literally Everything Must Go dash Spotify segment. So go ahead and check that out. All of the songs that we have done to this point um, are added on there, and I will add these two on on there after this episode airs. Uh, So do you want to go first? I think I went first last time. Or maybe, no, wait. Who went first last time? I don't care. What do you want to do? <laughs> uh, uh, well, you can go first. You go first okay. this time. So Stephen had me listen to Vampires Will Never Hurt You by My Chemical Romance. Um, I had heard this song before. I ha- it had been a while. But um, thing I what stood out to you about this song? Um, what stood out to me about this song uh, I, I'm going to kind of combine question one and two. What stood out to you about the song and how does the song make you feel? Um, there, there's a sort of nostalgia factor um, because it, it makes me think of like what it was like to first start writing music. Um, I feel like you see the evolution of My Chemical Romance and, and what they ended up becoming and, uh, compared to this song and how like raw and... Um, uh, it, not that it. I, I like the song. Not that it is amateur, but it f- compared to what they became and what they were able to develop, this seems a lot, a lot less refined than um, what they did. So it makes me feel like it's 
this is one thing I love about art and, and capturing art specifically is the ability to go back and and view uh, kind of glimpses in times uh, of your life where things maybe have changed since then. So, uh, like, going back and listening to that song, I just feel like you see a huge evolution of the band, um, and it's uh, it's pretty awesome. There was one specific... There's one specific line in the song, um, which I, I think Gerard Way does... Um, in a lot of his songs where he'll have like at least one or two lines that like really resonate with me. I, I think, I think it would be considered the bridge, but uh, when he goes, I'll never let them, I'll never let them, I'll never let them hurt you. Not tonight. I'll never let them. I can't forget them. I'll never let them hurt you. I promise. Um, there's something about just like straight up coming out and, and making a declaration like that in music. Cause there's, it's one thing to be metaphoric and, and kind of hide things, uh, that might mean the same thing, but just come out and be like, fuck this. They're not getting to you, especially after the, the, the rest of the song that there's, there's a darkness to it. Um, almost feels like, uh, it's heading towards, uh, uh, a sad ending. Um, not that this doesn't change that, but this is just like, uh, he's not going down without a fight for, uh, uh, somebody that, uh, he cares about, which, is something uh a sentiment that i think a lot of us can uh relate to or feel and so i really enjoy that um the last question is would you give it a thumbs up thumbs down or somewhere in between you know i gotta give my boys mcr a thumbs up baby come on now <laughs> it's not even a question why did you pick this song so obviously this is a band that both brandon and i like so when i was thinking of what song to do this week i wanted to do a my chem song that was the only idea i had in my head but i was like what's a my chem song that brandon either has not listened to or i know it's been a long time since he's listened to and that hearing like a, a refreshed perspective i think might be kind of cool so i picked this song because this is off of their first album and i really really like their first album for a lot of what you talked about, like, yes, it is more amateur, but it's just really cool to see where they came from. I love the production on the album. It's really raw sounding. It's honestly a really depressing album, I will say, as much as I do enjoy it. Like, if I, if you want to feel good about life, never listen to this album because it just, you just feel like you're just drowning. Like, it, it just feels like you're drowning in depression listening to this album. Like, it literally feel you can feel it just taking on this very depressing tone. To me, this is their most actual like emo album, if you just uh, listen to it. At least I've always felt that way. But I always really liked this song a lot. It, I love how dark it is, and instrumentally I found it to be interesting. And then one other just side note on this song is somewhere, I think maybe around the Danger Days era of the band, Gerard got asked which song of his does he think he has the best vocal performance on, and he actually said that Weirdly enough, he thinks that his best vocal performance on any song is this song. And it's the one time where he listens to it and he doesn't know how he was able to do that performance back then. Because he recognizes his voice got better over time, but he doesn't know why it was so good on this song. Which I thought was just kind of interesting. That is interesting, yeah. I'm glad that you shared and, that. I didn't... Uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I, I do like it a lot on that song. Um, Okay, uh, then I did the song Different Things by Gracie. I have no idea who Gracie is. Um, is this a band or a group or an uh, individual? It's an individual. Okay, that's kind of what I figured. What stood out to you about this song? Well, it, one, it's an extremely relatable song. Uh, unless there's some deeper meaning behind it, which there probably is of some kind, it, it seems pretty on the nose about just a relationship between two people that want different things. Um, it, the, the other thing that kind of stands out to me about the song is it doesn't, it like, it feels kind of choppy at times, the way that they do the, uh, the way that the, the instrumentation is done, it doesn't, I don't know, it's not a traditional pop song in a sense. Um, it's definitely a, it's kind, of, it's kind of your typical love song, I guess. It really just is about people who want different things. There's nothing, there's nothing super deep about it. Um, in fact, this is actually one of the few times where you gave me a song that, like, I don't really know why 
like what specifically it is about this song that you like other than just the fact that it's relatable because this is one of the only times I'd actually give a song a thumbs down because I've listened to it a couple of times and like I think it's I can kind of get why you would like it but I would really be curious to know what specifically about this song other than the relatable subject matter that you like about this song because I'm wondering if even just a different perspective in listening to this song might be valuable to me because to me it's like it's kind of too slow and it's not poppy enough to get stuck in my head so it sort of falls in this this middle range where I don't know yeah that I guess I'm not as big a fan of this song well interesting so we had a conversation yesterday uh we went to the lake and as we were walking back uh Steve and I, Steve and Sean, uh, another one of our friends who's actually been on the podcast, and I were talking about female artists, and uh, Steven had mentioned how he uh, can't really get into female vocalists as much. He just doesn't relate. So I think a big goal of mine um, going forward on the Spotify segment, because I actually think that, at least as of late, I've had more of an affinity for female vocalists, and a lot of times the subject material that they seem to write um there's something about it that i think uh is is captivating uh, i don't know exactly what that is but it uh i i, I typically really like that so i kind of wanted to uh kind of go along with that theme and see how you felt about a, a certain female vocalist and in, in the song that came with it see if you could connect with it how you felt uh for me um this is a song that i got on my discover weekly playlist and i immediately fell in love with it i I, I, I like the, the, the change of pace, uh, almost like you kind of feel like you want it to pick up, but it doesn't necessarily do that. I like the vocal effect that she has. Um, another person that does that vocal effect is Justin Vernon, specifically in the band Volcano Choir, where it's, it's like this, uh, it's like a vocalizer that gives you like, uh, different harmonies with the voice and it's like electronic. Um, and it just makes certain words hit harder. Um, like, uh, Specifically, the uh, the line. Let me look this up. <laughs> I'm look at this. Line. Um, <laughs> she, uh, the the in the chorus, uh, she says, um, "I only wanted to love you, but you made it fucking hard to." Um, that line. I, there's a certain sting to that line, but for whatever reason, with the vocalizer, it uh, it it, it, ascend, it it adds a little oomph behind it. Um, and I, I also like the bareness of it instrumentally and how it doesn't necessarily have a orthodox uh, thing. I, I, I think I'm not always I'm not I'm not a person who's like, oh, I need you to be trying new things in order for me to like you. Like that Time Flies song that we listened to the other week, that was a more traditional, like poppy sounding song. Um, and I still enjoyed it. But. I can respect if it's something that I don't expect, but for whatever reason, it, it stands out to me. There's there's an extra ounce of respect within that. So I just like how the, the song approached it from a very uh, slow and methodical point, uh, or, or slow and methodical uh, way um, without having the instrumentation be too overwhelming. It's really about what she's saying. So th- this is one of those, like, uh, lyrical songs that um, I appreciate. Uh, obviously, it is a very relatable uh, topic, but I, there's something about just the way that she describes how she articulates this through her lyrics that I I really appreciate. And um, and then the stuff, the subsequent stuff that goes into the production. That's why I like it. Well, that that's uh, it's actually it's cool to hear you explain it, just because. I mean, now I'll have to listen to it at least one more time just to see if there's something different that I'll get from listening to it. And once again, I just always appreciate doing this type of thing because I would there's no way I would ever find this song. As I said, I mean, I, I don't listen to too many female singers, and it's not because I don't, like, respect their music. I just have always Hated identified. Hated women. I know. It's just... It's yeah. <laughs> no, it's a weird thing. Like, when I hear... A, uh, a male's voice a lot of times like I just feel like that it feels more personalized like it's more about like from my perspective and I like with music I get in this very personal headspace where when I hear uh, I guess a male voice a lot of times that it does that for me but I mean 
it's it's definitely not as simple as that because a lot of males they sing and it could sound like a female. So I I don't I really I don't know. I mean maybe to a certain extent I've been too closed minded. It's not like it's not like I don't listen to any female singers. It's just it is. It, there's also not a lot of female singers in the uh, um, like metal or punk rock community really. So that's another reason for it. Fair enough. Anything else you want to talk about before we uh, send them all home? Um, no, I actually don't have anything else. Unless you do, do you? I do not. So we can uh, say goodbye to you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening <laughs> to the episode. Uh, this was a fun one. I think our last two episodes have had a lot of fun where they feel like they've, they've gone by really uh, quick. And it's going to be nice to... In a couple weeks, a month or so, uh, get back in person and, and do these episodes face to face. But for for what we're working with, I've enjoyed these last two episodes. So if you guys have any thoughts, comments, or questions, feel free to email us or leave us a voicemail. Email is emgpod at gmail dot com. Uh, phone number is five one three four two seven emg five. Uh, if you don't want us to play it on air, uh, you definitely can let us know in the message. Otherwise, we will play it on the episode uh, and, and react to whatever you have to say. Otherwise, you can f- find us on uh, social media at EMGPod. That's for Twitter and Instagram. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, the Everything Must Go podcast YouTube channel. Uh, if you want to reach out to one of us individually, Stephen is at Stephen Russell B. I am at Brandon J. Flippin. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time. Take it easy. Holding on to-